and welcome to JBI Dialogues, um, presented by the Journal of Bioethical Inquiry as a multidisciplinary space to connect academic, professional and community voices in conversation. Today, we welcome Dr. Christopher Mays, one of the co-editors of the journal's new symposium, Institutional Racism, Whiteness and Bioethics. Chris is a research fellow at the Alfred Deakin Institute at Deakin University and a research affiliate at Sydney Health Ethics at the University of Sydney. He's an interdisciplinary scholar with disciplinary backgrounds in sociology and philosophy. He co-edited the symposium with Yin Paradis and Emmanuel Elias and joins us today to talk about that work. Chris, thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot, Evelyn. Nice to uh, be here. Congratulations on the symposium to you and the co-editors. A nice feeling when that comes out and is fair to share with everybody. I wondered if you could take us back to the beginning, though, um, of the process and tell us about where the project emerged from. What were you and your co-editors aiming to to do? Yeah, so um, I suppose uh, another area of my uh, research interest is history. And sometimes when I'm asked questions of when things start, I have a tendency to go too far back. So (laughs) I'll try not to go too far back. Um, I mean, for me, I guess one of the points that started for me was at the Australasian Association for Bioethics and Health Law conference at Townsville I was asked to give a keynote presentation there um, and I was sort of you know in thinking about what was I going to write on then I I, I, in relation to some other work I've been thinking about race in the context of food and agriculture and then started to think more about sort of race in the context of health and um, bioethics and gave a paper on the whiteness of bioethics and and was thinking about that and and the way thinking about the way that a lot of the I guess moral philosophy that bioethics draws on comes from the liberal philosophical tradition and and I was reading um, Charles Mills work and critique of uh, racial what he took terms as racial liberalism and seeing the way that that is infused I think in a lot of bioethical reasoning so the very sort of reality um, in which uh, ethical theory, so not only what is an ethical problem, but the way and the ethics that we draw on is shaped by a racial, social and political reality. That's what Charles Mills was arguing. So I was looking at the way that that was occurring in the context of bioethics. And I wrote a paper which actually then didn't get published in a special issue, but it was... um, uh, to give a plug to that, uh, White Medicine, White Ethics, and that's in the Journal of Australian Studies. And around this time, I was moving from, I think, I had think I'd just moved from Sydney University to Deakin University. And, and I was on a panel with Yin around, I think it was Close the Gap, and, and he was talking about institutional racism, um, which is an area of work that he's done a lot uh, on from a variety of perspectives, mm-hmm. both in the context of health, but the economy. And so we talked about that after the panel and, and we're just talking about similar interests and similar areas of work. And um, he had been doing some work with uh, Emmanuel Elias also at Deakin on this in the context of uh, institutional racism and its economic costs in Australian society. So then we had a conversation about the possibility of yeah putting together a, a special issue that would bring in both uh, institutional racism and whiteness yes. in the context of bioethics and, and the role of bioethics to address these things. So I think there had been a number of articles in, in, in different literatures about the need for institutional racism in medicine. So the way that racism is actually embedded in particular 
uh, hospital or healthcare providing institutions and how do we address this and there were some people suggesting bioethics had a role and then I was wondering well if bioethics itself is implicated in these sort of racist institutions can it what kind of role can it have and so I guess seeing that we're sort of uh, looking at a whole range of questions that go beyond our particular expertise and disciplinary expertise wanting to call on other authors to contribute to a discussion about this. So that's sort of, I guess, where the the origins of the, the symposium came about. Great. That leads me to the next question, which is, as you say, you reached out to various people to be part of this. In your lead essay, you talk about posing some specific questions to those contributors. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about those. Yeah. I should also add just uh, um, in, in terms of something that has been interesting and, and maybe this is a will come up in one of your other questions but in looking at say like at the moment bioethics seems to be addressing these issues a lot more profoundly uh, and in a lot more forums part largely due to the black lives matter movement and also COVID exposing and exacerbating a lot of um, racial inequalities both in society yeah. but also in healthcare provision and so it's interesting looking at the literature that in the early 2000s, there were a couple of key articles about racism and bioethics and then nothing really much for a little while. And then in the late 2000s, there are a couple more articles. And, you know, I hope that this isn't now just another blip in 2021, there'll be a whole bunch yeah. and then nothing for another decade. So, you know, I guess the hope with the symposium is that it can be part of this broader conversation and, and lead to some, I guess, more um, substantive changes within the field. Uh, so yeah. the questions that we were asking people to respond to, but of course they weren't uh, limited to these questions, were things like how the effects of whiteness and institutional racism are differentially experienced by Indigenous peoples and non-Indigenous peoples of colour. So I guess, you know, a lot of the North American literature focuses on the experiences of the black community and the black population not exclusively but that's a sort of dominant focus whereas um, Australia were particularly and we have a number of um, great contributions from New Zealand wanting to sort of bring to the the fore the settler colonial context and the experience of indigenous peoples in particularly I guess you know all the authors working in all the all the co-editors working in Australian institutions the experience of indigenous peoples in medical and related areas. So that was that was one question. Um, what are the historical and material processes that institutionalize racism in medical institutions? Mm -hmm. uh, what are the economic costs of institutional racism in healthcare? Are cultural safety programs and continuing medical education able to address the effects of institutional racism? So these are so cultural safety programs are something that are yeah. often put forward yes. in universities, hospitals, and elsewhere as a way to address these things. I mean, in Australian uh, Parliament at the moment, they're talking about empathy training as a way to uh, help uh, some male members of Parliament to relate to women. So yeah, looking at whether these sorts of training programs are effective what role can Indigenous knowledges play in decentering whiteness and addressing racism? Um, and does bioethics have a role or is it entangled with the histories of racism and whiteness? Right. So there are some of the Rich, broad questions. <laughs> I mean, it's it's difficult to ask you to focus in on an, an individual article given the wonderful 
diversity of the contributions. But I wondered when you've sort of told us about where you sort of started it and posed those questions, as you say, not limited to those, but as as they as the contributions started to come together and as you edited it together, where do you feel it's landed in some of those spaces? Yeah, I mean, you're right in saying that it's hard to uh, um, uh, single anything, any individual papers out. I think I think we have been pleased in the way that there is many of these themes have been addressed um, sometimes in different ways and, yes. and sometimes in I wouldn't say uh, ways that clash or contradict each other, but certainly in ways that provide a certain generative friction um, could be a way of putting it uh, that I think that these aren't sort of simple and straightforward problems to be with simple and straightforward solutions and nor are there I think the other thing that was you know having contributions from New Zealand Australia um, North America I think that was it it's always dangerous when you start sort of singling out <laughs> these locales I apologize if I've forgotten anyone but it was it's interesting to see you know there were some papers talking about uh, the New Zealand context and the importance or, or the role of the Treaty of Watangi in yes. New Zealand as a sort of basis and a reference point from which um, indigenous and settler relations can be discussed and addressed and in the Australian context where there is no treaty and discussions of a treaty you know just thinking about oh how does that play out differently here in, in here in Australia uh, and then likewise some really um, powerful uh, articles sort of critiquing the premise of some of the questions and and some of the symposium um, which, yeah. which is always nice you know it's a, it's nice to receive it and something that we were expecting as well I guess in not wanting to limit it to the the terms and and conditions that we put on the questions yes. but to, to have people have the opportunity to reframe questions and reframe the issues as they saw fit and important to the um, context that they're wanting to address yeah so I think um, yeah we've, we've been very pleased with the way the symposium has come together and 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 disciplinarily I guess I should also mention that you know there's not really many authors on here would be would consider themselves or be considered sort of straight up bioethicists whoever they are I don't know they need to step forward because I'm always confused as to who's a straight up bioethicist and so bring in sort of uh, disciplinary insights which have been really fascinating and important to read as well so um, you know health law constitutional law philosophy medical humanities health economics a whole, whole right. range of perspective sociology yeah so that's been that was quite pleasing as well You've touched on this already, but I'm curious to sort of put in the context, I suppose, what you're hoping a reader will get out of this. And you've talked about, I suppose, some of the things that you were seeking to address. And particularly, I'm curious, without <laughs> being a spoiler alert for anybody, but that the idea of the role of bioethics in these in things, um, I wondered, was what are you hoping people get out of it? And also, did you adjust your thinking on some of those topics or did you land on any sort of conclusions? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I hope that people get out of it a sense that there is this live and on, ongoing conversation that needs to be had both within the university, 
Yeah. Um, I think importantly for people in university institutions, there can be a tendency for us to look at other institutions and look at the you know problems at there and how yes. people are say socialized in those institutions rather than looking at our own disciplines or fields of inquiry and and being you know oblivious to the way that we ourselves are participating in uh, racialized spaces and in environments and contributing to those. So in that sense, in the context of, I guess, bioethics uh, thinking, I hope that, you know, people working in that space get some encouragement from these, these conversations and, and certainly challenged by them. And, you know, on the whole, that we can be challenged to do better in the way that we think um, and in the way Indeed. that we act, particularly in paying greater attention to the say to use Charles Mills terms about the, the sort of social reality of race and the way it operates in institutions and medical spaces but also the way that it operates in our ethical theories yes. you know what subject experiences get centered um, as you know from this particular subject position we then are devising our ethical theories and infrastructures Uh, And and I think um, particularly in, I guess, where there are specific discussions, so that there are a number of articles addressing Aboriginal deaths in custody in in Australia and the the role of healthcare professionals in that, and I guess the entanglement Mm -hmm. of the um, carceral and the medical institutions I think is something that is obviously there's a huge discussion going on about this and that this is um, something that bioethicists are part of uh, whether they uh, or we like it or not and I think that there is I guess encouragement to see the the role of bioethics in in contributing to these kinds of discussions and cases I think I think a number of important cases are brought forward through the articles that are perhaps not often discussed at all or centred in bioethics curricula. So for instance... What kind of cases, yeah. Well, I think, for for example, you know, and again, I guess speaking from an Australian context, um, I know the JBI is an international journal, but, um, you know, I think in Australia, a lot of people know about the Tuskegee syphilis trial for example and you know the horrendous trial and obviously uh you know very troubling in in the racial dimension to that trial and the history of that and i'm not suggesting that it shouldn't be taught or shouldn't be known but then in australia i don't think many people going through say a, a bioethics undergraduate course or a medical ethics course in in a medical school are taught things about either australian research experimentation involving um, Indigenous uh, peoples or or people in our region that Australian medical researchers in the past have been working on or with, uh, and, and as well the, the situation of deaths in custody here in Australia and the role of uh, healthcare workers and the medical institutions, you know, it, the majority of those uh, deaths in custody did have some, at some point, uh, prior to the death, an interaction with a healthcare professional. Um, of course, and yeah. And there's, you know, documented coronial evidence of systematic sort of failings and 
what's often talked about as sort of racial bias and those sorts of things. So I think the articles, some of the articles provide different kinds of case studies and not just case studies, but the lives of people who have been abused and let down by not just um, individual medical practitioners, but a whole system of which healthcare ethics or bioethics is part of. Absolutely. As you say, fundamentally important for bioethics not to just look at every everything else, but to look at itself. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I'd 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 say um, you know, to that as well, I guess something that we tried to do with this symposium, but then I think needs to be done much more than this is um, the centering of Indigenous and Black scholars, voices and experiences. So I guess in in this issue in particular, an article led by Chelsea Bond calls for that and talks about, you know, uh, Black bioethics, which is quite provocative and I think a really, really interesting and important thing to think about. And and then the work of Kamisha Russell, who has a a short piece in this, but her work in general sort of talks about the importance of racial justice being centred in bioethics. And and so I think that's something else that I guess I would hope that the symposium as a whole can partly contribute to. You've partially answered what I was going to ask you, just to really wrap it up, which is what comes next? And I know you've said you don't want this just to be a blip in the the latest blip in the bioethics literature, but you're also touching on some more systemic type of um, implications from having these discussions and putting these issues out there. What comes next? Um, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I think we would, I mean, another thing, yeah, I, I think it would be good to have some kinds of more... Uh, to such that we can in the context of COVID, sort of public meetings and discussions, um, symposia, I think. Yes. Um, you know, I think there has been conversations within, you know, the JBI and then the Australasian Association for Bioethics and Health Law about the degree to which bioethics can or should be political in terms of its um, statements and activism, I think. So I would hope that there can be a greater role for um, bioethicists and, well, not so much bioethicists, I have a problem with that uh, as a descriptor, (laughs) but people concerned with um, issues relating to bioethics. Yes. um, And to see these as bioethical issues that uh, require thought and action. So I don't have sort of a, a specific project on the on the sure, sure. horizon about this, um, but yeah, I think these conversations aren't going to be going away. And yeah, there's I would say what comes next is looking at the work that the majority like the looking at the um, work of the contributors and what they're doing is uh, should be yeah highlighted and and that I suppose makes me encouraged and excited to see the, the kinds of work that they're doing um I don't want to sort of single people out but you know I hope people who read the issue um look at look up the bios look up these people yes. the, the contributors and and see the work that they're doing because they you know many of them as as we acknowledge in the lead they were sort of you know, it was an interesting and difficult time of writing these yes. um, uh, these papers, 
especially, you know, trying to stick to uh, what some would say as arbitrary deadlines, although people maybe on the other side at the, the editorial office might not have thought so. But, you, you know, in the context of COVID and Black Lives Matter and many people working with communities and part of communities affected by and needing to organise um, in response to these, um, you know, it's quite incredible. Absolutely. I think all we can really say now is encourage people to, it's, it's available now, and encourage people to dive in and read, listen to these interesting voices and these important ideas um, yes. and hopefully continue that conversation you're contributing to. Thank you for joining us for JBI Dialogues. That was Chris Mays, one of the co-editors of the journal's new symposium, Institutional Racism, Whiteness and Bioethics. My name is Edwina Light and I'm the digital content editor at the JBI. A transcript of this audio resource is available on our website, bioethicalinquiry.com, where you'll also find links to the articles discussed today, as well as other JBI articles and issues. For updates, subscribe on the website to our email newsletter or follow us on Twitter at Bioethic Inquiry. The Journal of Bioethical Inquiry is the official journal of the Australasian Association of Bioethics and Health Law and the University of Otago's Bioethics Centre. It's published by Springer Nature. <laughs>